0: And good afternoon, it's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up on the show today in the first hour, from a March 6th uh, UV ultraviolet magazine event called Open Mic Night at the Union Gallery, you'll hear readings or performances by Sasha Hill, Ashley Newton, Haley Sarfeld, Bob McKenzie, Sarah, uh, Billy Kearns, Ted Bronlow, and Elise Lowen, I believe. And in the second hour from the February 27th, uh, Queen's Poetry Slime event held at the Grad Club, you'll hear readings by Jake, Lexi. Billy Kearns, Spencer, Izzy, and Celine. And then uh, from the January 8th, I'm finally going to open mic event, uh, and the journey continues, open mic event. Finally get the last two readings in that haven't aired over the last few weeks. Uh, you'll hear Jesse Schufeld and myself. Uh, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry spoken word or music played on this show may contain strong language, but... It's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. I won't have time, definitely, in this hour. In fact, it's going to be tight just getting everything in uh, to uh, mention any upcoming uh, events or calls for submissions, but I should have a bit of time after at the end of the second hour. So up first, let's go ahead and go into that March 6th event uh, it was an open mic event uh uh that was hosted by uh UV or ultraviolet magazine and uh uh mc uh, by uh this was held at the Union Gallery I think I mentioned that earlier but in case I didn't uh it was uh MC'd by Serene Nicoy, uh who is a co-editor-in-chief of the magazine uh, with Catherine Gall, who she mentions, I believe, in the introduction as well. And then uh, you're going to hear a reading uh, a performance by uh, Sasha Hill. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into that. Here we go. Hello?
1: Okay, there we go. Okay. Um, good evening, everyone. I'm Serene, and Catherine is right there. We are this year's um, co-editors and chief of Ultraviolet Magazine. Um, we'd like to start this evening off by thanking um, all of you for coming to Ultraviolet Magazine's Open mic um tonight to celebrate the upcoming launch of our 23rd annual print publication. Um, we'd like to start tonight off by thanking Union Gallery for allowing us to use their space Um, To host tonight's event, and we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all the artists that have volunteered to perform for us tonight. Um, We've asked some of you personally to attend this event, so we appreciate you making the effort um, and taking the time at this busy busy time of year to be here. Um, We'd like to thank our amazing editorial team um, and board for their continued support and hard work throughout this entire year with fundraising, advertising, online, and creating the creation of our website, the effort into putting together tonight's event. and the upcoming print publication. Finally, we'd like to thank tonight's guests and visitors that have taken the time to come out to support tonight's artists and publication, and thank you everyone that has contributed to Ultraviolet Magazine's online and print publication. You have all continuously supported our publication and have made tonight and our year as co-editors-in-chief extremely fun and fulfilling, and it's been a great end to our undergraduate career here career career at Queen's University. Um, so we have a lot of fantastic artists that will be performing tonight. Some are drop-ins, some have um, put their names on the sign up list. But before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that we are providing like, refreshments and coffee. Um, we have snacks like on the table over there. Um, and we also have our raffle. Um, so basically, if you buy a ticket, one for $3 or three for $5, um, all the money goes towards the publication of Ultraviolet Magazine and you have the chance to win um a pair of gray band sunglasses so i really recommend to do that it's pretty great um, but yeah we'll get started <laughs> so our first performer performer is sasha hill and she will be doing poetry with music so everyone give her a warm welcome
2: one is without any music, and the second one is with. This one, the first one is kind of about passion and ambition. Right. I like to get a head start on the sun, just so I can get head when I run. Dictionary between my legs, I mean my ears. Spend years sleeping in, dragged right out of bed. Confront my fears a starting, lagging behind. Visionary, meditate in the morning, penetrate that blank slate, pop the dawn's cherry, blood red, light streaming in, malaprops and Solecisms, fight the flood, night stoicism, drop the solipsism. in a minute, soul starts at outer limit, ring lit on the black hole, wake up now, the pain back will be tenfold. And guess what? The whole world wakes up dead tired. Weary crowns put to rest, and now this is an obituary. A rest of success that never happens. The ones you bury, digging holes in your in habits. Don't become a mortician for your ambition. This isn't a road trip, this is an expedition. Eclipse your past and disappear. But drinks to cross road here, every minute forecast an accomplishment getting nearer. This a race, you in last place. Start now, accusative case, lawbreaker. First rule of Fight Club, jawbreaker. Jaw jacking in your circle of jerk friends. Faking your ego the more you defend. Yacking about reckless nights on repeat. Technique, useless, verbal abuses. All you'll do is not new. Wanna head start waking up at noon? Already six hours behind, accept to defeat. Already beat by the clock, punch in, punch out. Wash the bars around your wrist, do your time and persist. Wake up, life is in your hands. Cry a river, cleanse a drought out, damn spot out. Hell is murky, can you see the light? Vision blurry, looking glass, was a dense lens. Self forgiver of sins, ain't right. Load your quiver, highest peak with the palace night searching in the darkest hour for that holy grail elixir of light bag gold and chalice fight your demons and prevail it was always real for you you just have to choose highest thousand heaven fallen down on you and you heard this in the nick of time because no saint nick is going to bring you the present of success you work through the coal of your soul set fire to yourself because you don't want to have no accomplishments when you're old Where i clean my dreams off the walls. I'll put my pain, 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 pain paintings in the closet. Count them all up, all these dots. Racing through my head and 100 meter dash till I see you. What's up? Nothing. Remember when I warned you put red flashing lights up along my bright night? When I look angry, you know you shouldn't cross me. Mm-hmm. Even with all these crooked candy teeth, I still forget.
0: You just heard uh, Sasha Hill's performance at the March 6th uh, Open Mic Night uh, held at the Union Gallery that is organized by Ultraviolet Magazine and MC in by co-editor Serene Nikoi. Up next from it, here is Ashley Newton. Um, so my name is Ashley, and I work here at the Union Gallery. Um, it's been really cool
3: to have this event happening tonight. It's always really amazing when we can bring in lots of different Uh, elements of creativity into the space. Um, I am also a writer and do write poetry from time to time, so if it's okay with you guys, I like to read something that I wrote pretty recently after a very long stretch of not writing anything for a while, so are you guys okay with that? It'll only take like two minutes. It's that uh, new, so I wish I could have one right now, but I don't. Anyway, here goes. What will happen when the ropes are cut and I am left to fall into the unknown? Will I land, mangle in the mess I created, or plunge feet first into the rest of eternity? Or still, no one else knows either. What will happen when the chains realize they can no longer constrict, restrict, depict the story I thought they end? They scratched a brace against my gray memorial, carving out what I couldn't see. My bones learned to grow over them, the skin stretched but not thin, blood pulses in their harmony, pushing and pulling for nourishment. Have they realized they're not worth their weight inside me? What will happen now that I am not afraid to find out?
0: And you just heard Ashley Newton's reading at the March 6th open mic uh, night uh, that was organized at the Union Gallery that was organized by Ultraviolet Magazine and again MC'd by co editor Serene McCoy. Up next in it, here is Haley Sarfeld. Moths fly off the side of my neck and I tilt
4: my head to think. They slip through the slit between the m and the ah, uh, scape out the space where I pause to contemplate. They rattle just behind my face, press up against my cheekbones, fill the hollows where I could be breathing, where my voice could resonate. They pupate in my echo-passage airways, interrupt my likes and ums, and, like them or not, if I refuse to let them out, they will pinpoints in my focus, lay eggs in the damp spot where my eyes don't like to cry, and let their babies munch on all my soft parts. I've tried to swallow mothballs, even though they make me cough. They look like little sugar cubes, but naphthalene and heredicorobenzene aren't so easy on the tongue, the tummy, or the lungs. Stinging, they sink down my esophagus while fumes rise in my sinuses, kill the little chrysalis and make the dangling bodies of the bugs let go of the grip on my cranium's plaster and plunge to the pit of my stomach. Insecticide sigami. In I'd rather inspect a side of pest control that doesn't leave a burning hole where I don't have the guts to wish that maybe just for once. They could be butterflies. When I was five years old, I had two pet caterpillars, named Munchy and Crunchy. They had fat, squishy bodies like puffy winter coats, and teeny tiny feet that crawled across my hands. I didn't find them making; they tickled. I put them in a Costco-sized hummus container with a handcrafted perforated ceiling, and watched them get bigger. Munchy grew faster than Crunchy did. His body swelled to twice its size in a couple of days. I thought he must be pretty proud of his puffy green Parker. Then he stopped moving, even as Crunchy continued to parade around the plastic palace. Then one morning I awoke to find unfamiliar spindly legs sticking out of Munchie, and after that there was a stranger in the house, an insidious insect crowding the caterpillar's company. We looked in a reference book later that day and found the following. A parasitic wasp had laid its egg in Munchy's tummy, grown inside him like a secret, and when it outgrew its winter coat, it unzipped my cat- pet caterpillar and climbed out. Mommy said, This doesn't happen very often. To a five-year-old, once was enough. We emptied the container into the garden. I don't know what became a crunchy. As for the wasp, I imagine it flew off, lived its life, fed its larva to another unsuspecting vessel, and died by the time I the around ground, with raincoats made of polyester. Maybe if I could line my insides like a raincoat, and think in synthetics instead of wool and silk, my moths would find someone else to fester. But moths like a fiber. They like to shoot through troops, and I can't help but want to make billionacious promises and keep them in their cocoons. So instead, I let them linger. After all, they're only moths. Sometimes I wish they were butterflies. Mostly, I'm just thankful they're not lost.
0: And you just heard Haley Sarfeld's performance at the March 6th the open mic at the Union Gallery. Again, that was organized by Ultraviolet Magazine. And uh, with one of the co editors, uh, Serena Coy, emceeing that evening. Up next from it, here is Bob McKenzie.
1: Thank you both to Haley, and that was really great. Um, so we do have another um, performer, Bob McKenzie.
5: Yes, okay. I have spontaneously created an accomplice. Mm-hmm. So it will be me and Haley on this reading. Haley's going to help me out on a couple of pieces. And I have a, a few things here. This is delivering the goods. There are different sorts of goods. In the end, it comes down to this someone must deliver the goods. We feel and touch tangible truths, like rocks on the land or canned goods, solid and sometimes far too real. We feel but can't touch deeper truths, laid in the air like wisps of clouds that stir the imagination. These two worlds deliver the goods out of the ether, on horseback, or some such beast or metaphor. The gray horse plods the dusty street, drawing the heavy worldly goods with muscle-packed, powerful steps. This big horse draws tangible truth out of the rising dust and home, more real and solid with each step. The thoroughbred horse rides the wind, blurs into something mystical, flying across the viewer's mind. This sleek beast draws what can be touched, It is there just beyond the mist into which the beast will soon fade. As each horse carries its own load, detail and depth have a beauty no less than images and mists. The muse comes only on a whim, elusive angels come when needed to bring light. I no longer remember how we met, walking down among the yards or in some downtown Calgary cafe. Katie was ten years older than me, already an established artist of new dimensions it was called I saw her energy as artist and teacher, the magic of creating form from nothing, but mostly I saw this woman's grace. Her process in art and in life lessons for a poet feeling his way, one word at a time, into some future. Here the center can hold circles within circles where the plane do meet. Degrees of separation cut up in patterns somewhere near the edge. There were hours spent with Katie on the streets and in her hillside carriage house above the city. Encouragement and advice over tea in her kitchen or her large studio to a poet not yet steady on his feet. The past tumbles of slideshow images from another life, another world gone, Memory flickers like old-time movie images of this artist I knew long ago, who helped a fledgling like, learn to fly. Poems written long ago remain portraits of Katie in her studio or home, casually filling that space with love and beauty. down, yellow hair and a blue bonnet, artist stands one with children as they burn. Portraits of the artist as a young woman teaching children the joy of making art, forming future artists as they mold clay. Trained in the window of unfinished buildings, children shaping soft clay form heads of unknown men. The artist smiles as her students mold. 1906, bored and swaggering, painters and swordsmen, prowl roll streets woke back, desperate for a fight. Hunting with his path, a brawler driven by anger, Michelangelo Caravaggio, his sword slashing, easy a brush across canvas, murders a man. None of Caravaggio's patrons, no friends in my places, none can clear his name, not in time. Painted into a corner, the artist fears execution. Caravaggio flees, slips out of Rome to Naples, to Malta, to Sicily, back across Italy, again to Naples. His style darkens, revels in darkness, more complete and absorbing light. Caravaggio seeks papal pardon, a chance to return to Rome, but an angry moment kills hope and the darkness overtakes him. Trying to join the Order of Malta, he almost kills a member knight. Instead of receiving pardon, Caravaggio flees again, murderous record doubles. In Naples, Caravaggio completes two final paintings of saints. In The Denial of St. Peter, dark as the paint itself, Caravaggio shows Peter denying he knows Jesus, realizing he can't take back what he said. P. last painting, The Martyrdom of St. Ursula, is as dark or darker. In legend, Ursula headed 11,000 virgins, all but one beheaded by Hans besieging alone. Desiring the Virgin Ursula for his personal pleasure, the Han leader, Olden, spared her, but she would not be taken. Ulden's well arrow penetrated Ursula's heart. Caravaggio, in his black moods, understands all too well Hulden's dark look of regret, realizing what he's done. It's a true story. In an art <laughs> the Lord. Here is an ageless dignity which will not be denied. Classic Alberta architecture, a mass of sandstone blocks, corners and gargoyles of sandstone sculpture, civilization, and frontier dairy. The Waldorf stands at the very beginnings, the corner of Railway Avenue and First Street, the site of the old Western Front Haute Cafe, the beginnings of downtown of color At three storeys when built in 1921, Tallest building in the entire district. Five more stories added six years later. A skyscraper. The Waldorf went bankrupt by 1930, Lord up and left derelict for nearly seven years. Only the lower two floors opened during the war years. Americans bought the hotel in 1955, completely refurbished, restored the richness that once had been. The Waldorf was reborn. We dine in the we walk into the past. The lobby is vast, opulent with hardwood, hazed by the patent of time. Hardwood benches along wood paneled walls interspersed by plants and massive open plots, and what must be the original brass tattoos. Under the gaze of Zandrum Heller's portrait, the benches are grazed with timeless men holding newspapers and pipes or cigars their decadence, a matter of pride. We turn left, past the dark wood projection of the front desk, wait to be seated in the Badlands restaurant, well-aged opulence, the order of the day, brightened by tall, many paned windows, white drapery, and matching white tablecloths. It all looks very expensive. <clears throat> Dinner at the Waldorf, done. Once again, we pass the massive hardware desk to the lounge of the lobby's opposite side. We settle comfortably into black leather, perhaps vinyl seats in our booth. Wine dinner and Grand Marnier after ease conversation in this half-dark room. Outside time or place hardwood and vinyl cloaks us beyond any known world. New-heard rock and roll from the ceiling erodes our conversation and our thoughts. We settle into the gray room with our drinks. dad, good schools, new friends. Mom said, that was our life growing up in 50s America. My world was never father knows best, American graffiti, perfect. My world died. Kennedy was killed. King was killed. Bob was killed. There was the war away in the eastern world. Not my war. Not mine. Deep in my homeland, deep in my heart, that would never live after this. I could have stayed, I could have signed up, I suppose fought as some did and died, perhaps. I was afraid, not of joining, not of fighting, but of America, what it had become. Moving was not easy, not out of America. Not to a strange city in another land so different yet so much the same. Not just an immigrant. I was a refugee, a stranger in a strange land. Draft dodgers, to some coward and traitor, even in Canada. Some called me and others political freedom fighters, conscientious objectors. Americans in Canada unable to ever go home. We only felt very alone. An amnesty was announced. Most of us in Canada didn't trust this amnesty, didn't trust America anymore. Fury the trap, most of us stayed, put on ill-fitting Canadian identities, became uneasy citizens in our new land. Half a century later, estranged from our home, Many of us have died not from war, but old age and regret. This betrayal by us, four of us, remains a cancer in our hearts. I have no regret that I left America. Only that America made leaving necessary, took from me
0: Forget. And you just heard Bob McKenzie's uh, reading at the March 6th Open Mic Night uh, that was put on by the Ultraviolet Magazine at the Union Gallery and emceed uh, by co-editor of the magazine, Serene Nikoi. Up next in it, here is Sarah Cecile.
6: for the world to stop turning dizziness feeling like i'm sinking around and around like a ceiling fan so near to being unhinged everything is a blur i can't think straight ready to collapse is this over yet the high of the hurt is gone now i'm hungover over from the sadness slowly sinking into madness, and i can't even fathom how they do it in outer space although Maybe the feeling of orbiting, something so true is comforting. And the lack of gravity mimics floating in a pool of calm, so serene. Maybe it's darker up there, even with all those lights the overwhelming blackness peeks through. Maybe we're all just drifting in the spaces of our own empty hearts, our vacant imaginations void of all hope. They're lacking the pull to free ourselves from this black hole we call life. Then again, Maybe the life of a star is the soul most predictable of all. Monotonously enjoyable, never knowing what tomorrow holds, but always holding your own future. We all hit our brightest nights until we collapse into oblivion tomorrow. It's the honest truth. No surprise in reality, you'll finally learn to shine, and just like that, you'll become the black hole, A cloud of dust simpleton with no bright memory to keep you in the forefront, but it's rather beautiful, isn't it? Those stars, they know they're destined to die, and yet they shine their brightest every night, holding on as long as they can. Hell, they even get wished upon. So therein lies the inspiration. Make the most of the night you get to shine, because although you know one day the light will burn out, the day isn't upon you yet. And all you have to fear about the ineffable darkness is the light you held back before it ever came. If you lay still enough, you might just feel the earth spin. If you gaze long enough, you may see another light fade. But watch as it makes way for new lights. Just close your eyes and let yourself fade along with it. Um, this next one is called Rain on the Window Pane. The drops of water sparkle against the dim light, cooling through the open window shade. Each diamond fleck is upon a black mirror on the verge of shattering. I'm drawn to trace them with my fingertips. They tap, tap, tap on me. Still hurts. Each drop of rain scatters across like the burst of stars in the Milky Way. Their paths will not lead me back to you. But they tap, tap, tap on my pain. So much noise. This next one is called Battlegrounds. You are a rock hitting water, and your wave will be heard for miles. There's no stopping a ripple. Your impact on this world is inconceivable, and you may find this unbelievable, but a single word from you could save someone's life. It could break one too. You have to consciously choose how you treat a fellow human. What do you want to hear you cause when the list of all whose lives you've altered is read? We need to think. Think about the battles we're fighting silently and how each person is fighting one too. Think of all those soldiers in the streets and tell me life is not a battlefield. We live in a war-torn world. Who are we to judge? We commit injustices every day that we don't think about others. We commit injustices every day that we do. This world is riddled with struggle, but that doesn't give you permission to forget your comrades-at-arms. We've all been stuck behind enemy lines. We are a living rescue mission, and every single person is at risk. We throw judgment like grenades and shoot opinions out like bullets from a machine gun belt. Why are our targets set to destroy every person in front of us? this is the ceasefire we already have enough wounded there's normal need for casualties pick up your own body and put your brothers and sisters on your back we need to carry each other have we not seen enough violence to claim an armistice have we not known enough hate to wish only love put down your weapons soldiers Um, This one is called Skipping Stones. People come and people go. People are like skipping stones. You spend your life along the shore, choosing some and leaving more. The hardest part is when you know these stones were made for letting go. So hold them close whilst you may, then watch their ripples fade away. Um, this one's entitled, Headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. About injustice everywhere. Children fighting battles beyond their years. Passing our responsibilities off like a baton in a relay race. What are we running from? Abuse relaxes in every corner. What is a home? Surely this is not it. Today's headline, 10 more children die. Exuberant youths unprotected by the red hands of their governments. We turn another blind eye to the front page reality. Every day is another funeral and we're buried on unceded land. Another culture is deleted, a natural resource depleted. We still ignore the fine print. Another whale is deafened by the hands of the oil industry. Another family displaced by the fear of persecution. The war on terror? It's still a war. Another student drowned in debt, the search for a higher education, seeking the destination of a world worth living for. A world where the term marriage isn't gender specific, where refugees can cross the Pacific, Atlantic, any ocean they need to escape the Dead Sea of tears they were suffering in. Reports say there's still no equal pay. Headline of the day, we're paying into an industrialized hell. Shareholders to the illegal arms dealers, we hold stock in trafficking brains. Blood red ink on a whitewashed world. We all take our privileges for granted. Extra, extra, read all about it. Or get off your ass and change the news. I'm just going to see if I have time for any more. Yeah, I have time for one more. Um, This one's called The Perfect Storm. You ignite me, sending sparks through my body, a rush of lighting, I'm igniting. Thunder sounds, my chest it pounds, you're the storm raging inside me. My body wins, my mind it numbs, in your arms I'm melting wax. Watch me crumble in the rush of your love like a raging, like a raging wind, my mind it spins. Around and down, i touching ground, a twister in my own right. My soul ignites your mother nature, and I'm turning into a natural disaster. Thank you guys.
0: Yeah, and you just heard uh, Sarah Cecile in uh, her performance at the March 6th uh, open mic night uh, that was put on by Ultraviolet Magazine at the Union Gallery. And up next in it, uh, here is Billy Kearns. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your spoken word. Um, our next performer is Billy Kearns. Uh, I'm hoping to give her a of
1: applause. So-
7: strings of the strings of people playing with their fingers, hoping for a moment to stop in mid-motion when they can play from the concrete fields and glass mountains. It waits. It waits. For a person to stop waiting for that mid-stopped moment and to test out their toes to a rhythm. Because the soles of our feet are its favorite dancing cheeks. When it finds it it will tickle and tingle like the tips of feathers on fingers because your feet will no longer be seen. Then it climbs up your spine like cold water streaming upwards. Brushes over your neck, runs its hands through your hairs, nibbles your earlobes, then prickles your lips. Like you are kissing the soft side of the world. Then you shudder. You shudder because it's just dawn like the wash of fresh showers and the smell of new sun at dawn. You step out of the strangers in the sand, and ahead by the city of branches. You have been hit by a bubble, and now you can breathe. Okay, so this next one, is a more recent poem of mine that I wrote about the summer. And I call it, as I heard it um, and I call it, um, We Agreed That I Should leave You in Toronto. We sit on the couch in your apartment, and the clock pushes August away, hands squeezing thick air to rain. Two hours left before my bus back to Kingston, and we're still draining songs into the last spot of my playlist for nighttime. You slide into a black hoodie, and I kind of pop swells through your speakers. It hits me that I'll never kiss the cold off your face in the fall, or melt the red off your cheeks with my palms. I'll remember the sweat of June from your fingers, how I pulled salt and dirt from your knuckles with my mouth. You pop the cork out of a miniature pair of flash a grin through your head, excited to try the notes of something you find <clears throat> peculiar. When I leave, you'll keep the small bottle round, just strong enough to fall for the taste before the brandy runs dry. You lick your lips. This means you want me to kiss you. I shove your back against the couch, attempt to suck the grin out of your jaws, I gather the fleece on your shoulders and my fist and imagine the brandy smells like crunchy leaves. Okay, uh, and these next two are largely kind of dream inspired. I've definitely been having some very vivid dreams recently. Um, so this first one I call my <clears throat> Morpheus, god of dreams, held my hand as he led me through the underworld. We tiptoed past his father, Somnus, god of sleep, and we tiptoed through the fields of poppies. And in the poppies, we saw Dorothy, ruby slippers still on her feet. The river leaving flowed beside us. Morpheus warned me that anyone who drank from this river would forget. They would forget who they were and where they came from. Dorothy's fingertips were dipped in the river, and to her, there was no place like home, because home is not forgotten. We always forget bits of who we are in dreams. Morpheus told me that when we sleep, it's as if we take small sips of leaf, but we don't drink. We let the taste sit inside our mouths until we awaken. And then we yawn in the morning and the liquid drools out of and forgotten. He said that dreaming was as simple as blowing bubbles, but that remembering dreams was like trying to catch them. If you try too hard, the bubble will pop. The trick is being patient, not plastic. Trick is knowing when to wake up. Okay, and this last one, a little bit more, <coughs> and a little bit longer, oh, than all this one ever. The kids believe Sandman slipped on the suburbs in the night. A freak outside.
8: Now we're still trying to figure out what
7: happened because evidence is scarce, and the only reason we ruled out homicide were afraid of immunity. The event itself took four weeks to diagnose. We hypothesized that it all started when we stopped dreaming, when show and tell became watch and learn, when watch and learn became mindless, but no one really noticed and no one really minded because everything wasn't just, sort of, kind of, it was perfect. Capital P dot after the T sounds perfect. Perfect. Memorized method perfect. The ultimate objective was to objectify the ultimate goal. Now, things never really became a problem until a few weeks later. Backwards P, I instead of the E, a capital mess problem. See, my next-door neighbor, Donnie, had been having my
8: Now, Donnie was always one of those
7: problems. The kind who would climb trees and jump fences, the kind who managed to just crawl by fingers. When Donnie started telling us about his nightmares, none of us could one-off stories, And that's when we began to ponder our predicament, and that's when the ones who never sleep start to get scared. My fellow followers of the objective, he would say. When was the last time you sleep? Do you remember what it was that you last dreamt of Was the last time you remember dreaming anything at all? He continued in time to captivate us with his claims. He spun webs around us with his words while we gathered around him, eager to watch and learn. Dear comrades, he said, the stars have all been faded. I can't even see a Ryan's belts, and all the girls have been searching for that thing they've never felt. Our days are getting shorter, but nights don't get best Violet, and Nicole, the cold electric buzzing is the closest it gets to quiet tension. See, something's missing. We've all gone bonkers in our heads. You think that someone's been slipping poison in the sheets of all our beds, there must be justice. There's been a crime set upon us like a blanket. You can see it by the wear appearance blind blindly into bakes, and it's been ordered world, ordered from our disorder, but what everyone sees. Gets, is that entropy is imminent. What's worse is that they forget that entropy is not the enemy, and neither is perfect. Now, it wasn't a revolution, but Donnie's speeches caused a stirring that was impossible. To it was all of our minds blurring and worrying, It was surely the beginning of our soon-to-be-deemed invalid investigation. But Donnie disappeared by the time his movement reached a free. Maybe it was ordered by the ones who never sleep, we don't know for sure. But what we do
8: is that like mocking
7: honor on our morning, last Friday this December. Instead of, in loving memory, dear Donnie, the headlines compressed red, the kids believe Sandman slipped on the suburbs in a night. A freak accident. Thank you.
0: And you just heard uh, Billy Kern's performance at the March 6th uh, open mic night uh, put on by Ultraviolet Magazine at the Union Gallery and, again, emceed by co-editor of the magazine, Serene Nakoy. Up next in it, here is Elise Lowen.
1: Thank you so much for your performance, Ted. Um, we have our final artist, um, Elise Sloan. if you'd like to come up. Okay,
9: so I have two poems today. Um, the
3: first one is called Growing Up. When you are
9: young, the world is tight around you. You are craving and a safety net of love. You laugh or you cry. You grow. The universe expands. Cotton candy, the kookaburra, tem- temper tantrums, the slithering thing in your closet. Peaks of dizzying joy, clouds of disappointment, plains of happiness. Then hair coming and going, insecurities, death, and the unsettling feeling of growing too tight for your skin, but not being able to shed it struggling to rip out of your safety net, beginning to see in color that blinds you and illuminates everything else. Home becomes honey on your tongue and a photograph in your hand. The world seems to open like a great gaping mouth, large and black and inexorable, and the safety net you worked so hard to discard is gone. You get your first taste of darkness and your first taste of a boy's lips, and they both send cracks up your fragile and uprooted body. You bind your heart up as tightly as you can so it doesn't fall apart and you write angry lines in your journal and on your skin. You start drinking coffee, bitter, black, rich. You sit on planes and trains and watch the earth go by. You inhale words and exhale questions. You begin to welcome tears. You let things go and you let people in and your heart expands. Some nights you lay in bed and remember of the inevitable withering that follows growth but this night you feel soulful brimming with love and curiosity and a desire for tomorrow and the day after and the day after that wondering how many times the universe will expand inside of you how many skins you have to shed before you end up where you began inside a dream. why. You might not have had a halo, but you glowed, like that old doll quote. If you have good thoughts, it will shine out of your face like sunbeams and will always look lovely, and you are lovely, even when you are fresh out of bed, frizzy hair with your mouth, with your blue community shirt and matching mug, sitting at the breakfast table, laughing with the mouth full of yogurt. You were lovely, but you were not an angel, and I know because in second year, I put my hand right through a and you forgot to sweep the floors a lot, and once you read Google Map so wrong that we ended up running through an abandoned European city um, only to miss our restaurant reservations. And I don't think angels do anything I wouldn't tell my grandma, but you did. I know what people mean when they say you were an angel. They mean you were kind and you were. They mean you were lovely and you were. They mean You were a sunshine, bright, banana candy, sweet person. You made this world lighter, and you were. But sometimes, when I'm feeling especially cynical, I hear someone say she was an angel, and I think they're somehow trying to rationalize what happened to you. Like you were too good for this world, and that's why you left it. But you weren't. You were perfect for this world you lived in this world with a mixture of amazement and joy and fierce love for every moment that I yet to see again. You carpe diem the fuck out of every day, but that doesn't mean that day should have actually been your last. Because you are not an angel, you are flesh and blood, skin and bones, laughter and tears, and slightly smudged, losing, real person. You didn't fly with white feathered wings. You walked on this ground, in this earth, in your white sneakers that you wanted for so long. But that doesn't, but, and I know this because sometimes I was lucky enough to walk with you. You were not an angel because you were here and real and you took up space in this world. And sometimes when I go to a coffee shop we first went to together, or the back alley you showed me in second year, I see a very person-shaped hole where you an angel because you're something maybe more special. An imperfect person so full of genuine goodness and blooming with it, and shed exquisite petals wherever you went for whoever was lucky enough to catch them. You are not an angel, and because I'm sick of the past tense and I refuse to confine you there, you are not only a person, not only a person I loved, you are a person I do love, a person I love every time I drink a cappuccino, every time I
1: Thank you to all the performers, um, you did an outstanding job, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your art and entertainment with us tonight. Um, if you want to keep updated with events, if you want to submit to us in the future, or if you want to check out artists that have contributed to our website throughout the year, please check out our Facebook page, Ultraviolet Magazine at Queens University, and our website, ultravioletmagazine.com. Also, keep your eyes peeled for updates about the launch for our for volume 23 of Ultraviolet Magazine. Um,
0: and have a great night, everyone. Enjoy the food and please try a raffle. <laughs> and you heard uh, Elise Lowen's uh, reading at the March 6th open mic uh, that was. Uh, Put on by, hosted by Union, uh, or I'm sorry, Ultraviolet Magazine UV and uh, at the Union Gallery. You heard closing comments by co-editor Serene Nikoi. And I haven't forgotten anybody, but I just wanted, there was one more act there, was music. And I thought I'd just take us out of this hour that way. So you're going to hear Ted uh, Brownlow. And uh, then uh, I'll catch you after a few messages right on the other side. You're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC. Thank
1: you so much, Billy. Um, uh, we have a, another performer, um, Ted in if-
10: over here. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC. Listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the east coast of Canada, Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evenings from six to eight here on CFRC 101.9 FN, or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7:30 Newfoundland.
11: Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the campus and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on CFRC.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at CFRC.ca.
6: Do you like waffles?
12: Do you like waffles on a Saturday morning?
11: Do you like things that are good and dislike things that are bad?
12: Then you should listen
6: to Waffles!
11: Every Saturday morning on CFRC 101.9 FM from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m.
13: Everybody
14: likes Waffles. Yusuf Fakiri is on a speaking tour to address the case against his brother, Solomon Fakiri, in addition to the broader themes of mental health, correctional systems in Ontario, and the need for reform. Please join Yusuf Fakiri for the screening of the Fifth Estates episode of Jail Death, What Happened to Solomon Fakiri? At Kingston Hall, Room 200, on Monday, March 25th, 6pm to 7.30pm. For more information, visit facebook.com forward slash justice for Solly.
0: And welcome back to the second hour of today's show. It's uh, 5 o'clock or just a bit after, 5.02 something, I guess. And you're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 and we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And before the messages you heard, again, uh, from uh, you heard Tim Brownlow's performance at the March 6th open mic of the Union Gallery organized by Ultraviolet Magazine and emceed by uh, co-editor Serene Nikoi. And uh, that took us straight into some messages and then straight into the top of this hour. And I usually mention at the end of each hour, so I'll do that really quickly here, that both hours of finding a voice each week are uploaded to my blog space for it. Uh, shortly after get home at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com and will remain there for four years so let's go ahead and move into the rest of this hour coming up in the second hour from the february 27th queen's poetry slam event held at the grad club you'll hear readings by jake lexi billy kearns spencer izzy and celine uh... Then from uh, the end of the hour, uh, from the January 8th and the Journey Continues open mic event, you'll hear the final readings from it, uh, Jesse Schufeltz and my own. This verse, though, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So, I may have a couple of minutes uh, crowding it a bit, but uh, a couple of minutes at the end of the show to share some upcoming events or calls. And uh, let's go ahead and move into that February 27th Queen's Poetry Slam event held at the Grad Club. And uh, again, you're going to hear a number of readings. Uh, Billy Kearns uh, emceed the event that night. And up first in the open mic here is Jake Knight.
7: I'm back. And welcome to the February edition of Queen's Poetry Slam. How are you tonight? I think you can do that a little better. How are you tonight? Yeah, okay. Um, So, before we get started tonight... Before we begin this evening, we must take a moment to acknowledge the traditional occupants of this land to honor those who call this land home since time immemorial, and to honor those who live here now, but whose spirits are tied to a different part of Turtle Island. We acknowledge that the land on which we gather is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe peoples. It's with humility and respect that we honor the privilege to work, build, and live on this land. Okay, so we are here for a poetry slam, and for those of you who do not know what a poetry slam is, I'm going to tell you why we are here. First of all, Poetry Slam is a competition where people compete with spoken word. So what is spoken word? It is basically any sort of poetry that is meant to be said out loud. So something that, like, you have written, you're like, hey, with this inflection and with this dramatic pause or something like that, I can convey my message really well or, like, try to make somebody feel something. Or I'm feeling something, and I'm just going to say it in front of all these people. Uh, So spoken word is a pretty fluid art form, and we gather to share it with each other. Um, So the slam of that, um, people will come up, share their poems, and... For some reason, we decide to give those people a score from 0 to 10, and that is what our show is based on, but really, we're just here for the poetry. Um, Give it up for poetry. Okay, so just some housekeeping before we get started. Um, Over the night, you will likely hear some heavy content. Uh, We have asked poets to give content warnings before their pieces. Um, so, take the time you need to if you need to step out, um, based on whatever content there will be in a book. Um, and, on the other side of that, if you see somebody who's stepping out, give them the space they need. Um, whether that's just kind of like wiggling in your chair or something like that. Um, also if you have an issue with anything that is said tonight, um, you can approach my... So, our first open micer of the night tonight is Jake. Okay, so Jake, do we love him? Yes! Good. Okay, come on up here, Jake. Give a round of applause. <laughs> now we have clap. We clap the poet all the way up to the stage because sometimes you can sit far away.
15: Hi everybody, can you hear me? Okay. Hello? Hello? Okay. Um, so this poem is called The Journey of a Plaything, and uh, my apologies in advance if it sounds like a toy sort of movie. My life begins in the factory. I am scatterbrained, pieces without purpose. I am plastic, a parody of life's pleasures. A man only in shape, with a plastered-on face, mouth agape, a window to a cavern of absolute emptiness. You can tell my heart isn't in it. I'm following the beats of another's drum. My chest cavity is just that, wholly unbold. Those insides would only weigh me down, interrupt my fervent attempts at fixed rounds. I must focus on being efficient for these monoliths of industry. For any other train of thought is deficient, a detriment, a deficit, and I will be cast past the awaiting mold to the trash can beside. I will survive! And so I sit complacent as my monopolizing masters sell me in perpetuity into slavery. I, their intellectual property, move through the conveyors of my purveyors as a relentless array of machines detail, dress, and impress serial numbers on me. Seal me inside a box, a transparent cell, so that I can see the outside world while hidden in my personal hell. There are others like me, walking pieces of propaganda that inspire, lying entombed and ready for departure. How can creativity arise from an assembly line? It's as if ingenuity is a loyal dog, always chasing its owner, never being chased, seen as a beast that must conform to the needs of man. Who could care less about the wonders of the sky, to them, a rainbow is useless without its pot of gold. I awake to the sight of neon lights, so bright that they highlight my features and my insecurities. Perched on my shelf, self, shelf, I can see duplicates of myself, stretching to infinity in either direction, standing on death row, scared to be picked. Awaiting the confirmation of what we all feel, that we cannot bring a child joy, that they will see through the facade of our hollow selves and realize that the inanimate cannot comfort those of this planet that we stand only for profit and are true profits. I was picked today, and like a ripe green apple, the person that chose me grappled with others as if there was a difference. I could see it in their eyes that she was hungry, that she fed into the lie of capitalism, that material items materialize happiness. It was a lie I happily shared in, because in her home I was no longer alone. We played make-believe and dress up, alone and with peers. She told me her deepest, darkest secrets and fears, and over the years she grew, and I grew too, I was ragged, worn, and torn, but I was loved. I couldn't thank her enough for making me unique, so I waited patiently for the clouds of mystique to pass her by. I no longer understood what her world was, a whirlwind of sex and tests and texts, a maelstrom of new pursuits for her to play with, she no longer needed the make-believe. That's all I can think of, peeking out on the side of the road, watching the taillights scurry around the bend, praying to travel those backward miles, if only to get a shot at making her smile but I've run out of rope. I've been toyed with and I'm all used up. How ironic being in a donation box with nothing to give. A few weeks later, I'm put out of my misery by a great bushy man with a forehand that glistens, a collector who seeks to restore me completely to factory settings and end my specialness. I'll be perfectly ordinary once more, toyed with no longer, only displayed.
0: And you just heard Jake in the open mic portion of the February 27th Queen's Poetry Slam, emceed by, again, Billy Kearns. Up next in it, here is Lexi.
7: Okay, uh, so next up to the open mic, we have another exec member, Lexi, and Lexi also will be giving some announcements after that about our social media. So, Lexi, do we love her? Yes! Yes. Good. Give it up for Lexi. (laughs)
12: No matter how good of a swimmer I am, and I'm pretty good if I may act, I'll never be good enough a swimmer for my mom or my dad. My parents are scared of the deep end, and your parents are too, that clear mystery flowing in bright, artificially pigmented blue. Maybe they're scared that I'll fall in, or maybe they think I already have, but the deep end never did hold me the way their hearts do or hug my body the way their souls do, or keep me from going under the way their words do. So my parents are scared of the deep end and all of its water, but I believe it to be for the love of their daughter. I swam in the shallows for a while, dipped my toe in for a peek, sometimes got swept away by the motions, or so to speak. I'll splash and laugh, but something will come over me, and I'll inch towards the deep end just to wait and see. I can breaststroke, side stroke, and front crawl my way there, but once I'm in the deep end, I have no idea what to do. I'm alone with all the sharks. Sorry, I keep losing my place. I'm alone with all the sharks that seek my weakness and not my dreams. I try to go with the flow, close my eyes, and breathe, only to be awoken by fright-filled screams. They were right about the deep end, or so it seems. And my dad's hair is salt and peppered with greys gray's galore, and sometimes I'm compelled to rid him of the time teller altogether. I weave my fingers in his curls and pluck the gray I wish he didn't have, and I'll pull them out one by one and transport us back to 10 or 12 years ago before the gray, gray, gray's face changed the hair I grew up staring at, dazed. And I'll have his hair too, wear it proudly on my head, Maybe one day he can take my gray away instead. And I fear the gray, as most sane people do. The gray, so to say, is not our inevitable doom. Papa, papa, things aren't always black and white, but we both know how much I hate the gray. And my mom's face is so beautiful, naturally. But it's etched and sketched with lines of worry. Sometimes I trace them with my fingertips so we can go back to all the times I've caused her to cinch her beautiful nose and force her beautiful distance before, between her beautiful eyebrows to shrink to three worries trapped between the bristly domain. I want to take my number two pencil's end and erase her lines of worry, worry, tell her that I'm worthy and that if I could, I'd take them all back. Together we traveled 10 or 12 years ago, ago to before it all began. Mama, mama, I'll give you all of my sorries, but mama, mama, she will always worry. And notions of the deep end, deep end, I guess it depends on how we perceive the mystery it holds. Personally, I find it deceptive. No matter how many sad tears have fallen into its waters, the deep end masks them all. All the sadness is left unseen, unnoticed, and dissolved within its foundation. One million tears. So deceiving. And it's riddled with a chemical concoction of chlorine, so how are we we to decipher the levels of toxicity we're in? seeping into our fleshy skin. The deep end tells us nothing of its whims and only invites us when we're to swim. We can float, splash, tread, or sink, not to mention all the piss we accidentally drink. And we should worry of the deep end and drowning in its land, our strong air-filled bodies caving to its demand, alone in the blue, beneath, beneath it, but we were to be needed. Lungs, mind, body, left undefeated. So no wonder my parents are scared of the deep end, and your parents are too, and now so am I. I'll have, my, I'll, have, I'll have the same gray hair that my father has, and I'll have my mom's worries to share. They fear the deep end and all of its water, but I believe it to be for the love of their daughter. So I'm Lexi, I'm in charge of like media and communication. Um, and I just wanted to give a couple shout-outs to our Instagram. It um, tells you all the new events, and I post stories and um, and regular pictures and everything. So I just wanted to let you guys know that if you wanted to follow that, it's Queens Poetry Slam, one word. Um, and you just get updated about all of our upcoming events. We will follow back. And if you follow us within this time, I'll give you a shout out and then we can all follow each other and it'll be awesome. And we'll get our light game up and it will be a really cool experience. Also, um, Bruce uh, will be taking all of our emails and um, that's awesome because he's awesome, Bruce. Um, And um, I'm gonna be taking pictures and videos throughout the night. Uh, so if you guys are uncomfortable with that, please let me know, and I will make sure to not do that um, for if you're performing or if whatever. But um, thank you, and enjoy. Okay,
4: right,
7: quick thank you to Lexi. Let's give it up for Lexi one more time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's.
0: And you just heard uh, Lexi in the open mic portion of the February 27th Queen's Poetry Slam event, again emceed by Billy Kearns, whose uh, word you heard at the end and in the introduction up next in it. And as the first round competition began, she herself was the sacrificial poet. So here he is, Billy the Kid. Warm up for the, for the slam here. Can we, do, can we all do
7: this right now? Right now? The first poet of the night and sacrificial poet is going to be me. Hello. <laughs> um, so, okay, yeah. Billy, I'm going to pretend I'm not you right now. <laughs> Do it over. Yeah. They told me to tell them a love story. So I hope it was a slap in the face when I told them about you. See, most people only define one kind of romantic. and the category of just two best friends, not two venuses in cahoots, tends not to follow under said definition. The thing is, man, it wasn't just best friends. Because if they don't believe that you and I have something special, then they've been missing out. On all the late night speeches, sunbathing in grass fields, and all the times our eyes were glowing even when they were closed and we felt like the color of a flashlight pressed against the back of a hand, seeping through fingers, but not escaping. And I still remember the day that I found you. Or, it was really you who found me because I had a textbook case of new kid syndrome. And when you and the herd we still call friends approached me at recess, I decided to avoid you at all costs. Because even though it was only the 6th grade, I would never be class president in high school if I hung around with kids like you guys. Thank God you let me come back when, you real- when I realized that you were the ones I fit in with. And you stuck with me. And I stuck with you. And now even though we don't live in the same cities anymore, we know that time is trivial. If we've been through too much, to forget each other. You're the first door I knock on when I can't cope with the world. Like, remember that one time you were at home and it came back to your house every half hour because you weren't picking up your phone? I'd had my soul skewered by some boy's pickle, wind-charm relationship, and when you returned the next day, you held me in your arms and let me bleed out the shards on your shoulders until I was dancing again. And I'm sorry that was the first time you saw me cry. I swear the night that you called and said that the doctors did not think your mom would survive the winter, my eyes with my pillow. And I can still hear that crack in your voice mid it's scented. It sounds like that look you get in the center of your pupils when people talk about Mother's Day. And I'm sorry I couldn't cry at the funeral. I tried, but I couldn't. None of us could. We'd play hide-and-go-seek instead because that's how we dealt with that heavy feeling in our stomachs. That feeling like someone's punched you while your gut is full of water. That's how we dealt with it. Like how off of the service, we went back to your place and watched four episodes of The X-Files. That's how we dealt with it. But you know what? We pulled through. But don't get me wrong, man, I still worry about you. I know that you feel needles in your throat when you say that things are all right, and babe, I'd steal your insomnia if it meant you could sleep sound at night, and I know that this phrase has been turned to candy corn, but please never forget that I'm there for you. So you know what? Maybe it's just good luck that you only lived five minutes away. And it's plain weird that our birthdays are only 22 hours apart. But it's not like four-leaf clovers that have kept us together, dear. It's this lush kind of romance called friendship. And I'm hoping that we never break out. Thank you.
0: And you just heard Billy Cairns as the sacrificial poet in the first round of competition at the February 27th Queen's Poetry Slam held at the Grad Club, and right. of which she also emceed that evening. So, up next, uh, she will introduce the next poet, Spencer.
7: Oh, No. Slam proper. I have a hat on that table with those with, with the names. So let's start a drum roll and get that hat. First up to the stage, Spencer. Do we love him? Yes. Yeah! Good. Give up for Spencer.
14: All right, Big City Saplings. Waking up is hard to do. I spoke to a sapling on the street. She told me she wanted to live among the wild. Waking up is hard to do. I told her she was in an iron jungle. She said she wanted to live under a mountain. Waking up is hard to do. I pointed at the mountain peaks towering over the forests of commerce in the valleys of iron bulls roaming freely. Save me, I want to feel the ants on my skin. I want to hear the vines on my arms. We both looked at the crimson wrappers on her branches crinkling in the breeze. Then at the mounds of cigarette butts burrowing into her roots. Waking up, hard to do. I want to live before a river that I can watch when I get bored. I pointed at the great gutter in front of her. It had a stain of dry rain flowing on its bed. Waking up, hard to do. I want to live in nature and have my own place within it. I, I pointed at her very own plot of dirt. It's, it's covered by four concrete walls. Welcome to human nature. Waking up, hard to do. Thank you.
7: Agree with
0: that statement. Oh my God. And you just heard Spencer in the first round competition at the February 27th Queen's Poetry Slam, held at the Grad Club, and again emceed that evening by Billy Kearns. Up next in it here is Izzy. Next
4: up,
7: spot, isn't Izzy. Do we love her? Yes. yes. Good. Give it up for Izzy. Yeah. Very
13: small. Uh, this is called My Dad and the Fray. My father should be an honorary member of the fray. And by that I mean my father knows how to save a life. I'm not talking about CPR, mouth to mouth, and chest compressions to the beat of staying alive is a tad out of my father's capabilities. What I mean is my father knows how to save a life before it is in danger. He could talk anyone off a ledge. He could talk a gunman down to a wedding. My father always has the right words. He always knows what to say to me when I am freaking out about everything or anything at all. My father knows what to say to get what he wants. He knows how to get out of the ticket, and he knows how to save a life. And what I mean by that is my father told me to wait three seconds after the light changes to cross the road. My father grew up in Calgary, so in Toronto, where I'm from, that means five seconds. And here in Kingston, where you have drivers from all over the world, it means eight seconds. I always wait eight seconds when the light changes to cross the road. My father tells me when you are driving to an important event, leave four minutes early and drive four kilometers over the speed limit so you don't get pulled over, but if you drive fast enough in Toronto, you won't get honked at, which is hard to do. My father tells me to not wait by the phone. A watch pot never boils, my father says. My father's hope knows how to save a life because he taught me how to cook. He taught me how to play the sax. He made sure I learned to box. He made sure I listened to rock and roll. He taught me how to read. Books can save lives, they save mine. My father saves lives because he said once you create life, you must promote it. Once you know how to survive, you must teach others how to do because it is not an easy thing to learn. My father knows how to save a life because when I was born, he looked at me and saw the naivety in my eyes and the romance in my soul, and he knew I would need a lot of saving. And so he got some practice just to be prepared. And so, when you shredded my paperback princess heart, he didn't try to take me back together. Instead, he taught me to take the shreds, to weave them together into origami. He told me how to become a dragon, become something new, breathe fire. But if I don't want to capture a beautiful princess or take over some grand kingdom, what am I supposed to do as a dragon? My first act of business is instead to take all of the poetry that I wrote about you, what I thought love was, and torch them the fuck to hell. I hope you choke on the ashes and sorry you can't return them to sender, but if you want someone to thank,
7: you know where my father
13: lives. Thank you.
0: And you just heard Izzy in the first-round competition at the February 27th Queen's Poetry Slam, again emceed by Billy Kearns and held at the grad club. Up next in it, here is Celine.
7: Now for the last poet of the first round, please. Uh, actually,
2: Celine. Do we love her? Yes!
7: yes. Good. Yeah. Tell me what I'm supposed to do with all
16: these stupid lemons. <laughs> I dilute the sour with the flooding of time, sweeten with the sugar from temporary happiness, a splash of cold from self-isolation and distance. Tell me, what good are lemonades when you didn't even want the lemons in the first place? See, lemonades can't extinguish my kind of fires. They sting my paper-cut woes, acid to mouth. The sour floods my tongue with a piercing pain, so please, Tell me what the hell I should do with these lemons. When parents like Fred Gutenberg couldn't even say I love you before losing his daughter in the Parkland shooting. When the court didn't believe Christine Ford after she took every fiber of her being to come forward, when there are people going through days without food or water, when Wah Muhammad desperately sought refuge to flee from a home that wants her murdered, when survivors from humbled are left with scars, time can't even heal. How lucky am I? To have lived without a pain or loss that runs so deep, how dare I compare the lemons in my hands to the boulders they have to shoulder? So I eat the lemons whole. Ryan and all, I shove them to the back of my throat. At the sour prickly on my tongue, I don't speak. But what am I supposed to do with these lemons that life shoved onto my hands? See. I don't want to trivialize my problems because my problems are still problems, because my pain is still valid, because I am still drowning in a sea of deadlines and expectations, flailing and free-falling into self-doubt and resentment, burdened with a heavy coat of anxiety that I can't seem to take off. So, this is what I do with my lemons. I trade them for growing pains. I take these lemons as a lesson and take action for the pain to lessen. See, the thing about growing pains is that after the aches, your body listens. Like after a storm, there's a stillness following the suffering, is the solace. And if you're quiet enough, you'll hear trees resilience to grow into a forest. From adversity comes strength and from pain comes growth. These stretch marks etched onto my body remind my skin that it is tender but elastic to the ever-changing. Until until next time, I'll remember. Remember that from patience and struggle, birth the phoenix that rises from the ashes. Remember that to grow is to fall, to fail, to hurt, and to be unafraid to try again. Remember that this pain isn't eternal. Remember that this failure is only external. Remember that there is more of the overcoming of hurt than the moments of it. Remember that dark skies don't always mean rain. Remember the sour so you can relish the sweetness. Remember you have so much left for
0: it. And you just heard Celine in the first round competition at uh, the February 27th uh, Queen's Poetry Slam held at uh, the Grad Club and again emceed that evening by Billy Cairns. Up next in it and entering the second round uh, with and the way they do it is a new random draw each round and uh, Celine showed up again first in the second round so here she is again.
7: Okay, next up, Celine. How Do, do we love her?
15: Yes! Yes!
16: Oh, this one's bad a boy, so you guys know how this one goes. Sitting behind you in the tenth grade made my nose fluent in the language of shampoo and conditioning. And every time I lean over to grab classwork, I smell wisps of coconut and anti-dandruff. Scratch that, I
7: smell love.
16: See, I liked you. Like how I like my Pop-Tarts, both raw and toasted, like grays and holes, like yeah, man, I did this. Like if I was Swiper from Dora, I'd swipe right. Like how Sir Mix-a-Lot likes big butts and he cannot lie, except I just like two. Thought you'd be the Peter Pan taking me to a high that I would never land, like I was a bag of lace chucks on the metaphorical shelf. And you would always reach for the Pringles, scoffing at the idea of getting something that's 50% air and not 100% filled. But hey, I say that's just room for me to grow and space for us to fill. But all I could ever see was the back of your head, the spiral in your hair, and how you never turned to look my way. But one day you asked me to play a game of tennis, starting at the baseline, and I said yes. But I was not born with razor-sharp eyes with an instinct to kill, treading the world with caution and wary. I am soft hands and fresh eyes, too naive to see the smirk creeping behind your smile, that I was just a gas station along the road to get to your point B. Completely forgot that tennis was a game where love means nothing, so maybe next time we should go play a game of baseball so you can catch these hands instead of batting for the home runs you wish you could get. Strike three, you're out.
0: And you just heard Celine in the second round competition Again at the February 27th Queens Poetry Slam event Up next in it will be the final performance from it That I will air this afternoon Here again is Izzy
7: Give it up for Izzy. Do we love her? Yes! Good.
13: There is a funny story about this film. Um, It was originally called Four Seasons of Love because I wrote it really late at night. That was the first thing that came to mind. But I hated that because it's a theater reference and I'm a theater minor. Um, and so I was talking to the girl that um, the first couple stand this was about and she just wanted me to call it Heads up. I'm very gay. And I felt like that fits, so <laughs> I n- knew a girl once. A girl in a constant state of beauty. But she was cold, always cold. Always seemed to have snowflakes on the tips of her eyelids always seemed to have ice on the tips of her fingers. I loved that girl once, just in case you couldn't tell. And this girl, I've mentioned her before. I write about her, always write about her. But I was wrong in all the ways that mattered. And so instead of being in love with her here, I love her now, but in the ways that are so different than before. And it matters so much more now. She matters so much more now. She taught me what it was to be in love. And I taught her what it is to love in the way we always should have. But it took me all of last autumn to give her up slowly in all the ways my heart had to let go. I let my love for her fall like leaves from the trees change my colors with the cold, like her fingertips and her always blue lips and slowly my heart returned to heat. As I watched how the leaves fell, I realized that for us, that's what love was, dying and becoming new again, dying to be found again in a few months, not quite the same, but in a way, surviving made us stronger. But I gave her up, oh so slowly, and though I wished it was all at once, It felt longer to me falling out of love than falling in love with her. It was as enjoyable as easy as turning in shorts for jeans and t-shirts for sweaters. And when the leaves turn and change, so do we. Without much argument, we comply. I am always eager for it. I'm not a person who loves shorts. I am the same with love. But when winter rolls around and the winds turn icy and harsh on my eyes, I will spend as long as I can in thick sweaters and scarves longer than I am tall. I will layer my socks and wear tights under my jeans. I will do whatever it takes to keep my coat in the closet as long as I can. I am stubborn with it, and I am the same with love. I will not give in to needing it until I have to, but I will also not turn in my raincoat until I must. I want to hang it. I hung on to her. I went as long as I could with her around my heart, around my neck. I was suffocating in the warmth of her always cold fingers. But it was love in all the wrong places. I watched the snowflakes fall, and I don't imagine how they would look on her eyelashes. And if I'm being honest, it took all of Autumn to fall out of love with her. But it took me all the winter's chilly months to ready my heart for warmth again. And it took me all of spring cleaning to rid my heart of the cobwebs. And so, this summer, I was ready for it, for once, but I guess he wasn't. And so, in the summer we spent together, the warm and light, short and sweet will always be in my heart, but he will not be in mine. This autumn, I fell in love with the idea of being happy, and I was and now it's winter and you're here with a summery laugh and a springtime smile, warming my days, and I fall in love with the snowflakes, in love with the snow and with myself, I love her and him and maybe you, me. I think I'm experiencing all the seasons in the wrong order, spring, summer, fall, winter.
0: And you just heard Izzy in the second round competition of the February 27th Queens Poetry Slam. And again, that's held at the Grad Club. And uh, that evening was hosted by Billy Cairns. And again, this, uh, that was the last recording that I'll air this afternoon. And tell you what, before we move into the final two readings in another January event, Uh, maybe we should do this first.
9: Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11pm and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep and tech house remixes and more let the hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on four to the floor fridays only on cfrc
6: 101.9 fm
5: I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table.
11: Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org.
5: Folk everything. Every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional
0: folk. Modern folk. Future folk. And strange deviations from the norm. The norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red
17: Molly to James,
0: that's a fine motorbike.
8: Walk Home is one of the services provided to you by the Alma Mater Society at Queen's University. Walk Home is a completely confidential and anonymous service where students will pick you up and walk you to any location within our extensive boundaries. We are located in the Lower Cayley of the John Deutsch University Centre. You can request a walk by dropping by the kiosk or by calling 613-533-9255 during our hours of operation. We are open every night from dusk till 2am, Sunday to Wednesday, or till 3am from Thursday to Saturday. During exam season, we are open until 4am. Last year, we completed over 10,000 walks, walking the equivalent distance of crossing the width of Canada and back. So whether you're feeling unsafe, want someone to walk with after a night at the library, or feel more comfortable walking downtown with someone, call Walk Home. If you have any questions about the service, please feel free to contact us by calling 613-533-9255 or by emailing walkhome at ams.queensview.ca.
0: And you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And now going back, um, all the way back to a January 8th, and The Journey Continues, open mic reading in that monthly series. I think I've actually been airing pieces off from that event now for the past maybe three weeks, maybe even four weeks. Anyway, this afternoon you're going to hear the final two poets in it. Up first, here is Jesse Schufeld. Up next, Jesse Schufel. Let's bring him up. You use a chair? Yeah. <laughs> don't have a next strap. No. Yeah. With the mic, I can't put
11: it in front That's
0: of That's fine. I,
11: like, I, 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 I'm going a yellow. project? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jesse, and I, I write things, say them. It's so easy to feel sane amongst all you crazy motherfuckers.
17: So it's really nice.
11: Um, I'll share in all our madness. It's fun times. I got like a couple poems and then a little song to kind of wrap things up. Um, it's, the general theme is about finding things you kind of lose when you're out of your head. Um, so yeah, let's just go for that. Uh, this one's called How Long. Can you tell me how long is too long? At what point have we lost each other through missed opportunities and shrugged passings? When have we gone too far to look back and ignore this immense gap between then and now and forget that the same person you remember is the one who stands in front of you, asking to be seen for all their humanity? Where is the line between friend and long lost love of common ground? Are we still lost? Or are we finding each other again, tidy and more ourselves than we've been through the wandering years, wondering when we can find someone as compassionate and as forgiving as we have the capacity to be? Because here we are, caught up in catching up with things set aside for a night like tonight, where we stop ourselves for an opportunity to remember who we have always been and will always continue to be. And this last this last poem before my little ditty is uh, called... You will tire of it. You will tire of it. The sadness will get boring, and the knots will get too familiar to be bothered to to be bothered with untying them. It will be tiresome to rehash yesterday again. You will have dissected it until you started poking and prodding something that's just simply inanimate. They will get old. These conversations about nothingness, the drawn out empty sighs of vacant eyes that have struggled for so long to keep things so far out of
18: focus. Uh, Diddy.
11: Speaking of finding things you've lost, I I I used to do this quite a bit, and this is just kind of me getting used to doing it again. So thank you all for indulging me. I really appreciate it.
0: Jesse Schuvel. Let's give him another hand. And you just heard Jesse Schuvel's reading and performance at uh, the January 8th and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next from it and the final unaired reading from that evening, here is mine that night. And I've got just a few short ones to read before we leave, but before I do that, we've heard some incredible poetry tonight. Let's give yourselves and everybody else a hand. And another hand for Kate, who's kicked butt tonight, taking care of us. And my thanks to all of you, too, for this has been a wonderful crowd this evening. We've heard a lot of really great poetry. If I could just say, too, just one thing, for just for the few people that read here for the first time, if you could just touch base with me after, so I can get your email address, so I can let you know when your thing's going to air on the radio, OK? This is called Beyond. In the storms of the days, this era, the chaos, the fear, the anger, the distrust, and in it all the silent, hidden tears, I have to remind myself that somewhere on a far, even snow-covered hill, a lone white winter rose bloomed. and those of you that have been here a few times know of my disdain for numbers, so here yet is another one, simply called numbers. In this world filled with numbers, calculations, equations, censuses, budgets, dates and times, decimals, measurements, all of these, the trillions of them, and the zillions of combinations more, they all insignificant. There are, though, two numbers that are, have a true meaning, zero and the full one. The space between all other numbers negligible, even the space between two and three billion, two hundred million, not as great nor as wide or deep as the space between nothing, and the full of one single and any thing. It's called Ink and Coffee. Ink and Coffee, the ever wheels taking me to the next place. Coffee, only the fuel. Ink the road ahead, the road behind, the road within. It's called reflective. If you're ever in the Juniper Cafe, and you look through there, they've got the low hanging, amberish colored lights hanging lights through there. If you look through the windows and then look through the outside window, you can imagine, because they keep getting reflected. So anyway, that's what I was looking at when I wrote this. Reflected. The reflected, low-hanging, ambient, and almost golden lights in a late afternoon cafe seem to go on forever through sheets and panels of glass before mirror plant there with its back to the glass watches us looking wonders what we see. One day when our tongues learn the language of green we will tell it. And one day after when our ears finally able to translate the voices of chlorophyll, fiber and root we will hear it then tell us all of that we have not seen. And again, thank you for coming out. My final poem. What is? Take what is given in any minute. That is all there is. To envy and want more is to steal from someone else in that minute, If you ascribe to this, you may discover a flow of rhythm in life, a slow ride down an even slower river, seeming in any minute to go nowhere until it opens into the fall of an ocean waiting. Thank you. And you just heard my reading at the January 8th. And the journey continues, open mic reading in that monthly series now held at the Elm Cafe. And I believe uh, I have a few minutes here. So I'm going to spend a few minutes going over upcoming one call and some upcoming events as far as I can get. But before I get carried away, I do want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, You have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday from 4 to 6. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. just want to remind you as well that each hour of uh, the show each week, uh, is uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. We'll remain there four years. The show is also now a podcast, so check that out. Uh, the easiest way, I'll just tell you, go to www.cfrc.ca and go into podcasts, and you'll find it listed there with more information. So quickly here, i got just two minutes. Uh The one I really want to mention, a call for submissions, and the only one that's really about to expire. In fact, there are only three days left, and that's hence my urgency. And this is for emerging and student poets. Uh, The Union Gallery is hosting a poetry reading event on Wednesday, April 3rd, uh, from 6 to 7.30. They're part of celebration, their idea of uh, doing something to celebrate National Poetry Month. This is for student and emerging poets, and this is a call to apply. Uh, it says, this year the League of Canadian Poets has declared National Poetry Month's theme to be nature. So that's kind of what they're looking for, nature themes. Again, you have until midnight, March 26th. I don't know what that is. It must be like Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Today's, yeah, it must be, uh, must yeah, whatever. Today's the 22nd, uh, 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th, so Tuesday night uh, at midnight. You have until then, uh, go to the Union Gallery. I know you will find uh, the call for submissions there, and uh, yeah, it should be quite easy. I do want to get to hopefully at least one or two events. I will tell you there is one coming up uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon, and it is... Uh, Kingston Arts Council Equity Principles in Action Panel and QA. I'm just going to tell you it happens tomorrow from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Malting Tower at the Tet Center, which is at 370 King Street West. Go to their website to get more information www.artskingston.ca. And uh, the next, uh, since you just heard it today too, I'm, I want to announce uh the next queen's poetry slam event uh they're always held the last uh, wednesday night at the grad club uh april uh in fact uh this one coming up uh will be their last one of this calendar or queen's calendar year and so five dollars pay what you can uh again the grad club wednesday march 27th 8 p.m doors open at seven thirty, and uh They they always have an open mic, as you heard, and then the Poetry Slam. And with that, I just want to thank you for tuning in again today. Uh, Coming up right after uh, this message, you're going to hear Two Hours of East Coast Music in a show called Saltwater Music hosted by Rob Carnell. Hope you can stay tuned for that. Have a great weekend, week ahead, and I'll catch you here next Friday.